Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Titan Alumni Talks, a weekly podcast where we talk to alumni about their experiences at Cal State Fullerton and where they are today. For this week's episode, our guest is Raymond Ortiz, who received a BA in History in 2011 and an MA in History in 2015. He currently works as a Director of Project Development at Rely on Technologies, and in this episode, we talk about activities he participated in while at CSUF, along with why he believes history is an underrated major. Listen to these episodes live on Saturdays at 6pm on titanradio.org, or you can binge them on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash CSUF alumni. Um, Alright, so, so thank you Raymond so much for joining us on the podcast today. Of course, thanks for having me. All right. So the first thing I want to touch on is what you do currently. So you currently work at Relion Technologies, and right there, you're a director of project development. And you did work there previously for quite a few years, but you kind of moved up in that space. So, um, so what do you do now, and how does it differ from what you did before as like a project manager? Sure. Um, as you said, I work right now at Relion Technologies. Um, I worked there when I was in school at Cal State Fullerton. I was at Cal State Fullerton all together for nine years. I did my bachelor's there, um, spent a year doing classes for the credential program of history major, and then I decided to switch back and go back to get my MA in history. So I worked um, the whole time while I was in school. I put myself through school. I think that's the great part of being at a Cal State is I'm able to do that and afford to do that. Um, and so at Rely On, when I was there for that first chapter, if you will, when I was there during school. Um, I manage a lot of their accounts, so database management, um, sales, paperwork, etc. So it was pretty easy for, for me to manage that in a certain time frame and then coordinate my schedule. Being a history major, there's a lot of different options for classes, a lot of evening things, and my employers, they're very flexible with that. They were very supportive of me being in school, so you know, that was important. When I uh, was a history major, how I ended up back at Rely on that entire journey is I actually, after my master's, was pursuing a PhD program. I applied the whole shebang, got into some schools, went and toured them, visited them, and decided it wasn't for me. I didn't want to go down that path. Um, at the time, there were, there were many reasons why, but I decided I wanted to have a, something different, a bit more hands-on rather than writing about other people doing things that are hands-on. So I wanted to just start um, after grad school. My focus as a history major was gender and sexuality. And they're all tools that I did for roughly nine years at Cal State Fullerton in my field. So that's where I'm at now. I see. So I want to talk a little bit about uh, the work that you were doing or the work that you did uh, at Cal State Fullerton. So I know you did quite a bit when you were getting your master's, such as being an editor-in-chief for the Journal of Cultural Studies, also being a grad TA, and you also mentioned uh, creating um, the CSUF History Department or like the History Alumni Advisory Council. So were there any things that you did when you were in your bachelor's? No. Uh, my bachelor's, I was the atypical kid that was kind of introverted for their own like wasn't the best I probably should have been more involved but I was the kid that went to class did their thing and came home um I didn't so really get involved campus? uh yeah so I I lived in La Habra at the time oh, okay. about 15 minutes down yeah. the street so I would come to school um do my thing go home I worked like I said I put myself through school for my bachelor's and my master's and it wasn't until my last year of my undergrad where I decided to submit some of my papers to the history department's 
journal, The Willoughbyson. So I did that. That was cool. I became a member of the History Society because they kind of like told us to. So I'm like, okay, well, that sounds fun. And then I got involved with that last year in the Queer Straight Alliance with one of my other friends. So it wasn't the most like robust, fulfilling experience. That part, I think if I can go back and change, I would. So now having that in mind, when I went into the grad program, I made a complete 180 and I became like the poster child for the history department and signed up for everything. I signed up for conferences, flew all over the country, doing presentations at history conferences. I did the Will of Beeson as an editor, which at the time was its own uh, 400 level class. And then uh, they had asked me to come back to be the editor in chief of the Will of Beeson. So I did that and then was part of all the history clubs, did all that, got bored and then decided to begin my own club, did that. Um, began, a, began a a history journal for that club because I didn't have enough on my plate while still working full time. Um, was a TA for a professor, was taking a full load as a student, um, did the thesis, graduated 4.0 and did had an entire experience that I, I like to think made up for my undergrad in those three years. So now I look back at my CV and I'm like, how did I do all this in two and a half years? It does not make sense. Like, it's just so packed. And that's what I'm so proud of. So I didn't really have that fulfillment in my undergrad and that was all on me. And I'm glad I, I'm glad I did it so that I can now reflect and appreciate. I see. So yeah, uh, I, you can attest to this. Uh, when you do participate on stuff on campus, it just becomes a lot more fun, a lot more energizing. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, Cal State Fullerton has that issue where we are a commuter school. So it's so easy to get lost and to show up on campus and then just get out of campus. So I'm curious, did you ever like get hit with the stigma of maybe a history or a history major or any other social science major might not make a lot of money or might not have like a good uh, field to find jobs in? I get that all the time still. And I mean... I, I just tell people, well, my resume speaks for itself. I'm doing just fine. Um, but I, I've always advised current history students because I've been invited back, you know, when there's orientations or whatever from the history department. It goes back to you also need to know how to sell your degree. Like I said, I fleshed out the skill sets that I learned because I was interviewing for jobs that weren't history professions. So I think that's the same with any, with any major. Um, you know, and I've kind of mentored here and there, like kids who are, and I say kids, now I look back and they're all kids to me, but like someone who's an English major, like, well, you don't have to be like a professional, like novelist to have a successful degree. Like every business, like big corporate America, you know, all the way down to small businesses, everyone needs good writers. So you can sell that. If you're in, uh, uh, in the performing arts, well, you know how to carry yourself in conversation, you know how to speak, you know how to public speak. Like there's different ways where anyone can take their field and apply it in different, um, different realms. But you don't wanna like pigeonhole yourself and say, this is all I can do. Like, well, no, like you, you have to practice that. You have to practice how you can sell your degree. And I was going into um, fields, going into positions where they're gonna read history major, well, how does that benefit us? And I had to do my homework and answer that. And, you know, if there's always a misconception, well, what could I do with history? Well, I'm doing it every day. 
and it's all the same thing. Like I said, it's research, it's writing, it's editing, um, it's professional writing, it's knowing how to put together documents, how to do analysis with your research, et cetera. But it takes that practice of being able to, um, being able to sell it. I see. And I like what you mentioned with uh, performing arts as well, because uh, I'm sure a lot of people who are in like our performing arts college or any other performing arts college, uh, that maybe their end goal is Broadway, but obviously that cannot happen for everyone. So right. for those it doesn't happen to, what can they do with their degree? And mm-hmm. like you said, just like having to sell it. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in some of those majors, it is required to do that. I know like, obviously if you go for like medicine or computer science, people know why you took that major and why you're important uh, for their company or like what, like where you want to work. But sometimes like if you're a history major, mm-hmm. that, that was a great way you put it. Why should they accept you? Like what, what's so important about your degree that yeah. someone else doesn't have, um, even if it's like a more specialized degree, maybe even in business. So I like the way you put it where you just have to find like those specific things you've done and that you've learned through your degree and then you can just put it down on paper and show it to them or even just show it to them like in person so they can see right. it. All right, so we're back with Raymond and we're gonna ask him some questions, uh, some quick fire questions and we wanna know his answers to these. So Raymond, these are gonna be like super quick. We want these okay. answers and we wanna know what your thoughts on these are. Like, are you, okay. are you with the majority on this? Because I know definitely I'm in the minority. Oh, uh, I'm an open book. So I don't know if it's gonna come back and you know, taught me, but let's see. All right. So for the first one, coffee versus tea. Tea. Which was better, undergrad or graduate school? Graduate school for sure. Are you an early bird or a night owl? Early bird. I woke up at five thirty this morning, wide awake. So I was just playing my Animal Crossing. So <laughs> you know, it is what it says. It's on the Switch, right? Animal Crossing on the Switch. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite? Is that your favorite video game? It's my obsession right now. It's kind of what helped me uh, through the quarantine. So we're good. <laughs> What's your favorite console? Do uh, you only play on the Switch or? Just my Switch, yeah. Oh, okay. I see. I see. So you're not like a gamer, like a full-on gamer. No, but I'll find like one or two games and then that's, that's it for like, it. the next like three years. Yeah. That's kind of like how I am. Like I try, I try and be a gamer. You know, I sit down with my PS4 and like yeah. I just can't, like nothing interests me. I just find that one game. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, math or language arts? math for sure oh, you and, and, and specifically algebra don't give me geometry with like shapes okay. and postulates and theorems i like something where it makes sense I mean, that's what algebra is it's just beginning to end it's all basic math that you just build on that's very interesting because most people wouldn't choose math and then like thinking about you who's done like social sciences and all that going for that's pretty interesting I, I'm but not- i'm very I'm very type A OCD and I like to know, like I said, I like a syllabus for life. So with mm-hmm. algebra, there's a start and a finish. And with history major, it's very facts. I like having facts and detail and keeping things very clean. Just like answers, like straightforward answers that are like undisputed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like but let's get to the point. And you know mm-hmm. what the facts are. But like with language arts, it's like, hey, look, did the author mean that? <laughs> Is your writing style like fitting this? It's, it's Sometimes with language arts and even with like with history majors, it's a little gets too emotional based and flowery and I'm just like let's let you know get to the point mm-hmm. I show you on that that makes so much sense but um no when you go up to like a bit of the higher maths it's not it's not like algebra anymore it's let's just say lot. that my personality rubbed a lot of other history majors the wrong way I'm just here like I know the answer just pick me please don't <laughs> worry about the rest of them pick me seems like it. it seems like a lot of people in like a history major would be would, like prefer like darts on like open-ended conversations with them but you're like nope these are the facts. This is what happened. That is it. Yep. So do you prefer in-person or virtual? 
Ooh, that's a good one. I prefer in person. I think it's just always fun to kind of talk to people and feel someone's energy. Mm-hmm. I agree on that. That one's so nice. Uh-huh. Just like meeting someone, you can just like read their body language a bit better than just seeing their head. You know, you know back, back before the pandemic, I was someone who always had a Disneyland pass. And I loved some days just going and sitting there and just people watching for hours. Like, that's just one of my favorite pastimes. It's just, I love humanity. I love people. And that's why I was a history major and wanted to go into the work of humanity. So I just enjoy people and conversations and, you know, just going with the flow. All right. So now what I want to ask you is about your like ideas on success. So what does success mean to you? And has it changed from when you were a college student? When I was a college student, especially in the grad program, um, I think a lot of people, I know I did, you kind of come out with it with an ego. You think you're on top of the world. And to be quite honest, when I had that revelation with the whole PhD thing, it completely shattered my world. My nine years up to that point were leading towards that. You know, I put all my eggs in my fun basket and it just wasn't it. And I had no plan B. And I, I was lost. I was lost for a good year just trying to figure out my life. I remember um, the big school I got into, I got a full boat ride to University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. And I remember flying back on that five-hour flight just crying the whole time because I was just so shook um, because I, I was lost and I had nothing. And it was so scary of how easy that no was because it's just, it's one thing to have cold feet. It's a whole other thing to... Um, when you have that gut instinct that just says, don't do it. And that's something inside that's protecting you. Um, so at that time, my idea of success was having, you know, Raymond Ortiz, comma, PhD. It was about title. It was ego. And I was doing it more for like all the wrong reasons, the title, and I wasn't enough for the right reasons, like how I shared earlier. Um, so success back then was based on ego and about like bragging rights and an idea of fame, always fame in this one field and notoriety. Um, and now I look back and I'm like, I was in such a bubble. And I think that's what I try to do when I go back to the history department and speak is I'm here to pop those bubbles of all these students. So now my idea of success is, you know, being able to afford a one bedroom apartment in Fullerton, which is expensive by myself without four roommates. Um, being able to provide for myself to stand on my own two feet. The fact that this year during this pandemic, I was able to pay off my car and pay off my student loans completely. Um, and just being happy with what I do. I'm proud of the work that I do. And, you know, I don't. Uh, so to end it off, uh, I wanted to ask one question for you. What was your favorite memory at Cal State Fullerton? Oh, God, I probably in the graduate program when I began the Cultural and Public History Association, um, I thought, you know, everything up to that point, I joined something that was already established, but to then go and create something and then within that to create a journal that students across the entire um, university can apply to and the work that the club did it was like snowballing to the point where we were featured in USA today for some of the work that we were doing. And I thought that was so rad because that's, you know, that's making memories right there. And the camaraderie that came out of that, like a lot of my professors became friends, my friends became family where a lot of my peers, you know, 
I was in their weddings. I was part of their family of somehow and vice versa. And I thought it was so amazing and such a joy. But it's those instances where, you know, I'm rolling up my sleeves and I get to leave behind something that I built from scratch. And I thought it was so rad because not everyone can say that. Like you can easily join a club and become the president of it and do this. But there's the things that are already established. And I think that's where like the whole ego thing worked to my favor because I got bored easily and I wanted to like leave my own mark and kind of, you know, push people along the way through and like, let me get to the front of the line. And it was fun. It was just like being able to create in a way and create a space that then um, outlived me in that way. Because now I look back and I'll go back and visit and the journal is now on its sixth publication. And it was so cool to look at this most recent one and open it and to see like all the students involved with it, the professors. And I had a big smile on my face because I didn't recognize one name on there. And that tells me that it has completely outlived me, which is what I wanted. It, it continued without me. It was able to, you know, live without me being there to pull the strings and lead and do what I needed to do. And that's not something that most people can say that they have. Like a lot of people have a great experience, but they're going into clubs or A, B, or C that's already established. But to be able to leave your mark and to create a space for others to partake or to push others to um, do the same thing, um, I think is pretty rad. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I did create this podcast and I do kind of hope that after I graduate, it would be something similar to how your journal was where my name would not be attached to this at all. And it would just like fall in the hands of another student who kind of just lives on the legacy of this. So it would just be the name of the podcast and that is it. And yeah, just creating something bigger mm-hmm. than you where it just like la- leaves a legacy and just like leaves a lasting impression. So who knows how long this will last. And I'm not sure yet since I'm still like hosting it, but my end goal hopefully for this is that maybe I'll one day be like a guest on the podcast like 10 years from now with another student in my like seat giving that interview. So yeah, I can kind of see, like I can clearly see where you're coming from where uh, starting something new is a lot like anyone can join something, but starting that's sort of like starting a business or starting like a company where it's just like something new. It's a different take. on. I agree. And I think like what you created the very same thing and someone who's now been on the outside for a while, whether you're going, whether you're going to continue in academia, like a PhD program, or you're going to just jump into the professional realm, platforms like this projects, passion projects like this are what separate you from the rest. It's what got me jobs. It's what got me into a PhD program. You know, I think of um, the National History Society, Phi Alpha Theta, Cal State Forest's history department has a chapter. Most universities have a chapter. So when you're applying to PhD programs, everyone's part of Phi Alpha Theta. But there's only one student that stands out who did that, did all the same stuff, and then went and created their own thing. And that, those are the things that separate yourself from the rest. So you're able to kill two birds with one stone. You're able to have a fulfilling experience, but like yourself with your podcast, you're also setting yourself up for the future because you can say you did this. You can explain your process from beginning to end. And that's going to become very appealing, whether you're continuing your education in academia or you're going to continue in the professional realm, you're setting yourself up separately from the other CVs or the other resumes that are in the room. It could be something completely random, but as long as you enjoy what it is, mm-hmm. and that, that is it. That's it. As long as you enjoy what it is and you're doing it, then that's all there is to it. It doesn't have to be related to your major. It doesn't have to be making you money. It could just be a voluntary experience. It doesn't have to take up all of your time. It could just be a few hours a week. And just by doing it, you do set yourself apart from all the other people who are applying for things. And you just better yourself for the future. And you're kind of not just stuck into the 
go to class, go home for four years. Yeah. And what did you get out of it? Just a degree. Exactly. All right. So just to end it off real quick, are there any like last tidbits of advice, like maybe your top three that you would give to like any Cal State Fullerton student? The most important thing is to don't forget why you're there. For undergrad, you know, I know that finishing 15 initiative, I, that, that wasn't there when I was around. So now I think I get it. I see it. My whole thing is, do I agree with maybe how it's verbalized? Not 100%, but basically set yourself up so that you could finish in 15. Don't forget why you're there. At the end of the day, even all the extracurricular stuff that I've been raving about, I was there for a degree. Going to conferences, getting you know an award, getting being part of a journal, TAing, that's not gonna get me my bachelor's, that's not gonna get me my master's. I am there to work. I'm there to get a degree. I was full-time, I worked part-time, even though part-time I was able to pay for my undergrad and my master's myself if I needed to get student loans or grants, I did. Um, so I took about five years for my undergrad. I have no problem with that. I wasn't trying to rush in four years because I was also putting myself through school. But those five years, I wasn't messing around. I was maximizing my time the best that I could, and I got things done. So I would say stay focused on that. And to grad students, when you're taking your capstones um, in, in any department, most of the time those are independent studies. Um, less than 8% of people in graduate programs actually finish. And I, my theory from seeing colleagues and peers, it's that point when you're at your capstone, that's the make or break. And I believe this also can apply for undergrads as well, where when you're taking independent studies, like whether it's three or six units, if you're working on a thesis or a project or something, or even your um, exams, you're in theory supposed to be like those six units, three units, that's three to six hours a week. It's still considered coursework. I've seen so many people who, because they're no longer in a, if it's a physical classroom, they'll take an extra shift at work or they'll go mess around or they'll do other stuff. And it's like, no, 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 you still, that's still school time. So if you need to schedule like Tuesday, Thursdays at 4 p.m., you're at home at your desk or at your coffee table doing homework, working on your project, do it. And I've seen the majority of people that I met in my, um, my grad program, my cohort, the ones who just didn't finish, they finished all their coursework except for the thesis, except for the exam, except it's, and it's because I don't know what it is where they have these independent units that they're supposed to be using that's purposely for whatever it is. And they're going and getting more shifts at work or they're planning a little trip or they're signing up to be a TA for someone or other projects. It's like, that's not what it's for. Just because you're not in a classroom doesn't mean you have freedom. That doesn't mean you go take an extra shift at work. That means you, do what, you're, what you would have done in a classroom at home at your desk. So I think the same thing, like stay focused. At the end of the day, all the extracurriculars, this and that, that's not why you're there. You're there to get your degree. Um, you need to work. You need to get done however long it takes you. If, as long as you're maximizing your time, then it takes as long as it takes you. But if you're just messing around or dragging your, your feet, then why are you there? And I forgot the exact math in the exact math is, but it says like a three unit course uh, should take like a certain amount of hours per week. They should dedicate to it outside of your class time. So if the independent study is three hours or three units, you do have to like spend that same amount of time that you would for any other course. And it's right there in the name. And that's the reason to kind of like say it's independent study. And they don't just say, hey, look, you have to do it while taking other classes. 
they block it off for you and they make it as easy as possible for you to realize. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just like understand why you're there. I feel like that is great advice for most students. Yeah, and there's trade-offs for everything. Like, you know, I think there's obviously exceptions when you have people who are coming back to grad school after working. So they have spouses, they have children of their own. So their priorities are different. Like, hey, to each their own. I'm just sharing like the other, maybe the other Raymonds out there. I I rolled from my bachelor's to my master's, so I didn't work in between. So kind of like coming out of grad school, I'm in my like late 20s and I'm a bit of a late bloomer because now I have people who are began working at 22, like post-college and are much more ahead of me. But looking back, like they're trying to go back to grad school now and it's hard. And I'm so, and I have no regrets about that. Like, I'm so glad I got those degrees back to back done. Like, yeah, it maybe um, caused a bit of a pause in my professional career growing, but now I'm done. Like I forever have those degrees done. I'm like, I'm not going to go back at least not anytime soon. I don't really have a need to. And, you know, I'm don't have children on my own and I'm working full time. And just the thought of trying to go back to school now, like seems like insane. It seems so much. And I'm so glad that I was able to do what I need to do in the time that worked for me. And, you know, just go from one to the next without really a break and just got it done out of the way and now I can focus on the rest of my life I see that makes so much sense just uh and it, it like relates back to what you said before where you're only in school for so much time and then you have like all your life to work so you got those degrees done and it didn't mm-hmm. really hinder you from working you were still able to get the jobs afterwards uh, so people are under the impression that hey look if I spend too much time at school I'll never get a job after it but that's not mm-hmm. true like you're a perfect example no. someone spent nine years at Cal State Fullerton and you still got a job even at a point where unemployment is really high and you're still working. So it just puts testament to the idea that you can still get a job after you graduate, even if it takes you a couple extra years or you want to get your master's as well. Exactly. All right. So uh, now to end it off, uh, are you on a retained pro network? I am. I do receive you the updates are. and I get some correspondence there. So I do. Awesome. Um, well, as a board of director for the Alumni House, do you want to give the spiel on the Tiny Pro Network or should I do that? Um, you can go ahead and do that part, but I will speak on the Alumni Association. Um, there's so many resources there for undergrad and graduate students and something that we're working on is trying to promote that and to work on the messaging a bit. So a misconception about the Alumni Association is that everything that it has to do or what it has to offer, those resources are for alumni. It's not the case at all. There's so many resources and programs that are specifically designed for current students that are undergrad and grad students. It's called Alumni Association because those programs are backed and supported by alumni members. But everything that the Alumni Association produces is for current students, not you know, alumni creating programs for alumni, it's alumni funding, donating, supporting, volunteering for programs and scholarships and initiatives for current students. And I think a lot of times when students hear about the Alumni Association for the first time, it's during grad fest. And I was one of those too. So there's a lot of scholarships, there's resources, there's many tools that are 100% for current students. And so I would encourage you to do some homework and to reach out um, and take advantage of the tools that are there. Yep, I completely agree with that because I work at the alumni house and I'm not an alumni, I'm a student. So yeah, there's so many things that they offer and a lot of students do come in as well uh, because we also do rent out like the alumni house for events that take place. And we're also there for like general advice or anything that you need on campus, we can easily redirect you to it. So, um, so yeah, like you mentioned, it's not just for alumni and it kind of like people get that misconception because it's in the name, yeah. but uh, yeah, it's, and it's kind of like 
far away from like the main campus so it's kind of like difficult for like we don't get like a lot of recognition because it's in the back of the campus but uh yeah it is it's a really nice place over there so uh, any students or alumni or even grad students like you mentioned as well uh, stop by the alumni house like sign up for like any newsletters or any info that you can get from it because we also host like a ton of events like I know normally like right now we would be doing like a study session in the like a quiet room in the alumni house where we would like mm -hmm. put out hot chocolate a ton of snacks for everyone because it's just like open like that's the way that the alumni yeah. house is it's, it's super for the students 100 for the students exactly so uh yeah so for the tank from network spiel so Raymond you are on it and a ton of other alumni are on it I believe over a thousand already so basically what it is it's sort of like a LinkedIn for Cal State Fullerton only so this is a way for you to connect with alumni, students, uh, faculty, and staff, and for anyone who needs like general advice. So if you're sitting there and maybe you're a history major and you don't know what to do after you graduate, Raymond is on there and a ton of other history grads are on there where you can message them, ask for advice. Maybe if you need your resume reviewed and the alumni are on this for this purpose to help you out. Uh, that's like their main benefit from it. So don't feel shy. Don't feel like afraid of like getting on there, asking them for help. Um, so yeah, if you're basically on LinkedIn, you can use your LinkedIn to sign in for Tank Pro Network. And it's really simple and intuitive to use. You can filter by industry or filter by major, uh, maybe when they got their degrees. So it's a really easy way to get your connections and just find people on like through the Cal State Fullerton Network. So that'll be it for uh, the podcast. Thank you so much, Raymond, for joining us today. Uh, I know you cleared up like, a lot of misconceptions that people had, uh, not just of the alumni house, but also of history majors, including like them not being able to get a job or maybe having trouble with their degrees or just not like having fun with it at all. People normally see history as like a boring major, but when the way you put it, it was super, like it seems super interesting and fun to major in it. Well, thank you for having me. Um, Cassie Fortune has always been my home away from home. I literally spent a third of my life there um, between you know my undergrad and my graduate experience and I'll always be part of it in one way or another. So thanks for having me.